Roy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, I'm just curious. I know you do a lot of traveling with uh, stand-up and your comedy career. Have you been to Canada before? Yeah, I've done a little bit of Canada. It's been in the more high and by capacity. Montreal for a couple days, Vancouver for a couple days. I've done um, Calgary. Oh, I think we were shooting a TV show or something in Calgary. I mm-hmm. did something up there. I don't remember what. Life is a blur. <laughs> I'm but, sure it is. But to be here for a month is a much, much different situation. And I'm very excited to be playing not only the major cities, but apparently a lot of random places that people were tweeting me and going, wow, I'm really shocked you're coming here. <laughs> I thought it was spam. <laughs> Well, you're playing here in British Columbia, I think on the 19th, uh, in Kelowna at the Kelowna Community Theater, November 24th uh, in Victoria at the Royal Theater, and November 25th right here in Vancouver at the Queen Elizabeth Theater, part of the Just for Laughs comedy tour, traveling across uh, Canada. I'm always curious when I when I sp- uh, speak to folks uh, who aren't from Canada, what's your general impression of Canada and Canadians? You know, Canadians have always seemed to be chill, laid-back people. Um, I do apologize that American politics has gotten the world so riled up and everybody is has these extremist political views one way or another and divisive and arguing. I was watching something to try and get the vibe of Canada mm-hmm. and a lot of yelling and back and forth on this show, uh, the House of Commons. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that comes on over there. But these people can yell, but they take turns. Like no one, it, I've never seen, it's so fascinating. And I was watching it on mute for like an hour. And then when I finally turned the volume on, they're yelling about heating costs. And I'm like, that's how cold it is in Canada that people are like, I need help staying warm. The government must assist me. <laughs> so, you know, I think every country has the things that they're passionate about. You know, America's gun control and Canada, it's, hey, man, I need state-sponsored insulation. <laughs> well, we, we've been taxing our folks on the heating and the carbon tax, we call it. So it's a big raging issue up here and how, how much we're being taxed. And Mr. Trudeau, our prime minister, has said he's going to roll back some of that carbon tax because of all that yelling and screaming, I think. But you raised a very good point compared when you talked about um, um, the polarized politics of America. You've been a comedian for a very long time and you do so much social commentary. Uh, what's it been like for you as a comedian uh, when it comes to making people laugh in an era where politics is so polarized? I think as a comedian, there's always a way to find a joke and to find the middle ground and to do something that's funny. I just think that you have to be a little bit more careful in how you approach an issue. Uh, comedian Mike Birbigli has said something that stuck with me a few years ago. He said that comedy was easier when we all agreed on the premise. And I think that part of the game is so true now, because if I say the sky is blue, and you know what's interesting about a blue sky, and then someone just goes, the sky is orange. Mm -hmm. Well, that person's not interested in the punchline to my whatever my blue sky joke is. So 
you know, I think it forces comedians to be a little more crafty in how they enter stuff to try and trick people into paying attention mm-hmm. because everyone listens on edge. We have conversations in real life the way we do on the Internet, which is I'm just waiting to jump on you and attack you and make you feel dumb. You know, and that's not a way that's not a way to go. Have you had to hold back some of your punches or your uh, your commentary uh, just because where you felt, you know what, uh, this may lead me to some trouble, uh, and it's probably best I I not perhaps come in with this particular <laughs> line. Like it, it is a bit of self censorship, I guess is probably the question. Have you had to do that? I'd say most recently during the White House correspondence dinner, the issue came up between myself and my writers was, what are the optics of me attacking women in politics within this set? And how much of that could potentially be boiled down to to sexism or, you know, man bullies woman. And so, you know, when you go back and watch my correspondence during the set, the only joke that I made about about a woman in politics was about Vice President Harris, who we both who we all agreed was she's powerful. She's in a high enough position to where we can have this conversation. But, you know, to talk about you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene or Nikki Haley or Lauren Boebert, you know, like that type of stuff Mm -hmm. for that setting. It has the potential to be misconstrued and twisted into comedian attacks woman. Mm -hmm. And then that's all that's being said about me for the next news cycle. And we didn't want that. Mm -hmm. And trying to navigate that wasn't necessarily the best it just wasn't. It just wasn't a, the best use of our time. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the uh, White House correspondence dinner, walk me through uh, them announcing that you're running. How do you prepare for something like that? And obviously, the president will be speaking there. Uh, you're the MC for the evening. You have uh, be. You'll have a, a set as well. You've got some of the most powerful political leaders there. You have corporate leaders there. Members of the media there. How do you prepare? How, like, how long does it take to prepare for something like that? Ooh. The dinner was in April. I got the call. I got the ask in January. Mm-hmm. And, you know, myself and the writers, we spent most of January just putting, just setting up topic buckets. You know, here's a joke for this topic, this topic, this topic. And I would go and put the stuff on stage that night, send the audio to my head writer, Christiana Mbakwe. And then by the next afternoon, her and her team, her and our team, had put together a new, I don't want to say a new draft, but kind of a new, hey, you know, it, here's here's a new way to approach that joke tonight. Mm-hmm. And you listen to the audio and you watch rinse repeat. And as news breaks, certain jokes become less relevant, so they get pulled out of the rotation. And so, you know, you you get an idea of the jokes you want to do, the things you want to say, and it was on me to get out every night after The Daily Show and put that content on stage and then turn around and look at ways to refine it and, you know, wordplay, you know, the correspondence dinner is different from, from like a standard comedy set, you know, number one, you're behind a podium. So you've already lost half of your performance tool. Mm-hmm. So how do you come to life from the waist up? You know, that was a big question that we had to answer, but you know, all in all, it was, it was, I would I would argue the correspondence dinner is probably one of the most difficult gigs in comedy mm-hmm. just because of 
how fast you have to create content. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, uh, speaking of creating content, you've uh, worked on The Daily Show for many years. I think it was eight years. Recently, it was announced that you'll be leaving The Daily Show. How tough of a decision was that for you? Uh, it's pretty tough. It's it's home, and it's a great job, and those are my friends. But, you know, in the bigger scheme of things, for me, it is about making sure that I'm always thinking about creatively, one, being a provider for my son, but two, that I'm thinking about the evolution of my craft and my art. And if I'm not going to be a part of the show going forward as host or as a correspondent under whomever the new host may become, Mm -hmm. then I need to use this time right now, this October, November, December, I need to use that time to figure out what I'm going to be doing in January. Uh, one of the things that when I watch uh, The Daily Show, I mean, I watch it uh, live. There are times where I catch it uh, on social media. Uh, and look at all of late night compared to my viewing habit, let's say, from 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and today it's obviously changed. Uh, how would you view late night today? Is there a future for late night, or do you think uh, this is an, a, a, a medium, certainly on television, that eventually, eventually one day will go away simply because it's not what it used to be 35 years ago. I think that there will always be a place for the general public to commiserate and share opinions. I think that late night inevitably at some point will have to change up in terms of, like, I don't know if, is late night still relevant? Yes. I don't know if this visual viewing construct is the same. And it's hard for me to say late night because I personally separate late night from news satire in terms of the, they're both primed, you know, they're both late night shows, Mm -hmm. but in the sense of what the obligation is to one, like when you look at, if we're talking just strictly daily show or John Oliver or any of the likes, um, if our job is to parody the news and the way people get the news and where people get their news is starting to change, then So goes satire, in my opinion. But really sitting back and figuring out where people get their news from. You know, if I see some young kid in the airport, you know, and I'm asking him, you know, like you want to have a chilling question? Ask a kid under 30 who his favorite news anchor is, (laughs) and they just stare at you. So where is that person becoming informed about the world? You're absolutely true. It's such an interesting, uh, interesting uh, conversation. I hear that with even our young producers as well. Their perspective of news and, and the world is so different from when I started in the news business, that's for sure. And I'm sure it's no different when you speak to young comedians uh, in the comedy circuit as well, Roy. So thank you so much for your time. I want to remind everybody absolutely. that uh, you'll be uh, performing uh, in Kelowna on November 19th at the Kelowna Community Theatre, November 24th in Victoria at the Royal Theatre, and tickets available for your performance on November 25th in Vancouver, right here at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. Roy, huge fan. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. I appreciate you.